Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Justin here along with the Cousins, Derek and Tyler. Well, spring practice report, Scott Frost says this is the best practice so far, which is good because the media finally got a taste of what practice is like in Lincoln. Uh, Huskers warmed up for about 35 minutes or so in front of the media before they were escorted away. Derek, what were some of the big nuggets out of spring practice today? Well, you say 35 minutes. I've seen other media say 20 minutes. I've seen 25 minutes. I've seen 30 minutes, 35 minutes. I guess I guess each one got escorted out at separate times. <laughs> escorted out one at a time. Pretty, pretty much. But apparently That's Omaha enough. World Herald was, they were left in for a little bit longer than everybody else, I guess. I don't know. Uh, you know, the best thing that came out of this to me was uh, the physical tackling that was coming. They, they how, how they talked about how physical these practices are and, I mean, everybody knows how fast it is. Scott Frost has preached about how fast this is going to go. Uh, Frost seems to think the quarterbacks are picking it up pretty quick. Uh, sounds like we're maybe having Noah Vedrill have to sit out a year. Really, is going to be more wor- a little worse than what we was hoping for because yeah. sounds like he's really doing good in practice. Uh, uh, Dante, Deontay Williams, that guy's, so apparently this guy's put on 20 pounds throughout winter, winter conditioning. He's now up to 200 pounds and apparently he's hitting like a beast out there. Apparently they've had to back him off a couple times cause he's hitting so hard. So I look anytime f- football's physical, I'm happy. And that's was one of my biggest complaints of the last staff was I thought the things were too soft. They brought that West coast practice with them. Yeah, and I complained about that from day one. I and it sounds it seems like Scott Frost is bringing physicality back, and that's a big thing. And I think it's going to be good. Tyler, you, you hit on tackling, Derek, and you, you know we all talk about some of the best quotes of Scott Frost, but one of my favorite ones may now be when he was asked about bringing a consultant in to teach tackling. He's like. Well, they pay us a lot of money to coach football. If they need to bring someone else to teach tackling, maybe we have the wrong guys here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, anytime they take a stab, a stab at the old staff, I'm starting to enjoy that, it more. That and was more every such time. a great quote. Did Did you guys see on Saturday uh, after the video of uh, Chinator after practice, and they went to him, they went to pin a microphone on him, and he oh. says, "What? I don't hold this." <laughs> These guys, Did you these guys are taking that? so many stabs at the previous stabs. That was that was so funny. I watched that like nine times. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't well, that, that was one of the most ridiculous things ever is holding the mic. But moving on from the old stuff. But the, the fact that Frost is in there in the weeds helping with tackling drills is exactly what you want from these guys as teachers. Um, you, Derek, and the physicality is definitely coming wrong. The thing that I actually took away from the spring ball is what you see from the wide receivers. Um, the wide receivers with guys like Mike Williams and uh, Lindsey uh, and obviously Stanley Morgan. So there, but they seem like they're progressing pretty well, looking athletic in the couple drills that I've seen the video of. Uh, very excited about what we're going to be looking at next year for that. You talk, you, t- you talk about the video. I'm assuming you're 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 discussing the video of that they brought out for their 
uh, expectations. Uh, they're going to have a series of videos coming out. I can't remember what the title of it was called, but the first the first episode was uh, Expectations. Yes. And uh, but the biggest thing I took out of that, did you watch Frost hit that guy and, like, he was blocking him and he was showing him how to block and he got up into his grill and he threw him back about five yards. Then he patted him on the helmet. That's a, that's a head coach right there. Oh, he, so, he's getting, what, what, what would have happened to Mike? Mike Riley would have broke if he'd have tried to do that. He probably, he might've dislocated a hip or something. And that's pretty serious, but gotta be careful with these old guys. No, but I, I, you know, I love this coaching stuff. I love what they're coming around with. You know, there's a lot to be made of practice, but you know, the coaches are sounding a little bit more optimistic. Um, you know, they've all hinted at this being such an athletic group of her positions. So I think there's a lot of things to be optimistic about very early. Tyler, you were talking about the Nightmare series. You know, this is kind of like, oh my God, what does this mean? But I, I read a little excerpt out of, uh, I think it was the Lincoln paper here, uh, Lincoln Journal Star, Parker Gabriel. And I don't know what to make of this. It, I had to look at this about three different times to think, what does this mean? Maybe it means something. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. But here's the little nugget. Every wide receiver's drill started with Morgan and Tyjon Lindsay, followed by Javion McQuitty and J.D. Spielman. Pairs worked in outside slot pairs. And I was just kind of thinking, you know, should we read in, in anything into those matchups, how it goes, with uh, Morgan and Tyjon Lindsay, then Javion McQuitty? and uh, J.D. Spielman. Well, I, I don't know if you read anything. I think the coaches have been very clear about there's not a depth chart set. Um, I think they've been very clear about that. I, I don't think you're going to mean anything. But the thing that excites me is Lindsey was kind of a disappointment last year, but he was as anticipated of a player as there's been in Nebraska. And the fact that he's potentially getting first-team reps um, is definitely exciting. Yeah. Derek? Well, I think you have to remember there's probably uh, going to be more than two wide receivers on the field at most times. So so the fact that, yes, they are working in tandem together, but you still have to assume J.D. Spielman's probably going to be on the field most of the time. And uh, Javon McQuitty, I, I anticipate him getting ample amount of playing time himself. I, I don't think this is going to be – I don't think you're going to see too many two wide receiver sets in this, in this, in this scheme. Right. Uh, anything to make of anything going on with the offensive line at center? No, I, I think Michael with Michael Decker still. He's probably. I think Michael Decker's probably most likely the starter, but until but he's out for the spring, so they're just going to have to keep plugging and playing there. Uh, I know they had that the, the, the walk on freshman, red shirt freshman playing most of the day uh, today while Hunter the Miller. media was there. But I, I don't think I read too much of that. I mean, Cole, Cole Conrad's. This was one of his first days back to practice, and there's just not a lot of depth at center right now until these guys get healthy, at least. I, I read zero into the offensive line, and I, I'm going to make a proclamation. Expect a lot of different lineups at offensive line. I think with this coaching staff coming in, you know, they alluded to playing the five best guys. I think there's going to be a lot of moving parts um, as spring continues to see where people guys fit a little bit better. And I, I, at least that's what I'm hoping because I think that's a move that they could do to try to figure out, okay, who are our five best linemen and can they play different positions? So I, I think you're probably going to see, you know, a spring ball continues a little bit of movement at that group. 
at that group. But I, th- I think the other thing about it is with this, uh, what's his what's his name that was, that was at front center again? I'm sorry, Hunter Hunter, Hunter, Hunter Miller. Hunter, Hunter Miller. There you go. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think with him, especially being a walk on from Nebraska, I think I think it's just proving how much chance that Scott Frost is willing to give every kid on the roster. This isn't a you were number one last year, so you're probably going to be number one this year. He, I mean, he's legitimately giving everybody a shot to play, and I'm going to give you a shot to play with the with the ones and the twos and so on and so forth. But I, it just it just proves to me that Scott Frost is a man of his word, and he's saying I'm going to give you a shot, and he's doing it. Yeah, I, it was a shock to me just seeing that name out there because that's not a name that I've seen before <laughs> in the offensive line, and so that's that was very interesting. Uh, moving on, uh, a few weeks ago, we had attempted to do our top three quarterbacks since Scott Frost had left, basically going back to 1998. Uh, we're going to continue that segment this week, uh, except we're going to touch on the top running backs since 98 when Scott Frost left. We'll, uh, give the top five for this segment, uh, Tyler, tell us your top five and give a little brief. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, my number five, I had uh, Corel Buckhalter. Um, you know, he was part of a, a two-piece running back a lot of his career in Nebraska with Dan Alexander, but he had arguably the best NFL career of any of the running backs since Scott Frost, good running back. Uh, for pork chop himself, Corey Ross. Um, had a good career at Nebraska, but he is just a personal favorite of mine. I love watching the guy play. Stats don't do him justice, but uh, my top three is where the separation happens. Uh, Roy Hellu is number three. Um, you know, he had a lot of swag in his career in Nebraska. Definitely played some good football. Um, you know, ended with 3,400 total rushing yards. Uh, number two, Rex Burkhead. Um, obviously, the, he can take down Tom Brady. He can do a lot. And number one, I don't think it's going to be a shocker, but is Amir Abdullah. The guy did it all for the Huskers. Uh, he, he was arguably my favorite player. Two 1,600-yard seasons, over 4,500 yards rushing. Um, absolute stud at his time in Nebraska. Derek. Wow. Uh, okay. So I got at number five, I got, I got Dan Alexander. The guy, he struggled a little bit with fumbles, but the dude was a beast. Just I remember watching him play, and he just, oh, he averaged almost six yards a carry throughout his career. The guy was phenomenal. Uh, Rex Burkhead I had at number four. And the only reason he was that low is I think he had one really good season. Then I think he had one good season. He spent his senior year hurt, and his freshman year was kind of mediocre. But I don't judge him too much off his freshman year. Uh, I got Darren Diedrich at number three. Uh, the guy had 1,300 yards in 2001 when we did nothing but pat Eric Crouch's stats. Uh, number two, I put Roy Halu. I, I I think that guy was phenomenal. And getting getting the, the all-purpose yards record against Missouri in, what was it, uh, 09, I believe, or, or was it 2010? Either, whichever one it was, but I know it was against Missouri. And then you're right. Abdullah is absolutely number one. There's just the guy did too much in his career here in Nebraska to not have him have him there. Well, Derek, uh, my top five is very similar to yours. 
Uh, like you, at num- coming in at number five, I have Dan Alexander. The guy was beast. He was fun to watch. He was so damn big, but he was so fast for his size, and he just completely mauled to his head. I loved watching the collisions. It was awesome. Number four, I had Darren Diedrich. He, he was he was a great running back as well. Uh, three, Rex Burkhead. You got to love Rex Burkhead. Love the way he plays. He's shifty. He's, he's not a burner by no means, but he's going to get some hard yards. Two, Roy Hellu. My goodness. He was a burner. He could take it to the house on any given play, and he did so so many times. And, again, Amir Abdullah, just like you guys, he was the premier running back the last 20 years. He's on a, a plateau all by himself in the last 20 years, and I think right underneath there you have Roy Hellu and Rex Burkhead, and I think there's several other guys that's in that third tier. Uh before you go on, I, I think the biggest difference, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with your picks, Tyler. Like Corral Buckhalter, I kind of thought about putting him in there. Pork chop, everybody loved pork chop, man. I mean, that guy was so fun to watch. Uh, I think the difference, especially with your guys' top three, and I, I tried to mix it up a little bit, I think, but I think the biggest difference was Polini always used that solo back, and he always kind of over. I don't know, you might even want to say overused, like Halu, Burkhead, and Abdullah, where. All these other backs, like Buck Halter and uh, Dan Alexander and, D- and Darren Diedrich, all shared time with other people. They kind of used more of a, a running backs by committee, as we'd call it today, than, than what they do, than what Polini ever did. And so these guys, they, they really stacked up their stats, which I'm not saying that, not trying to put it against them or anything, but, but stats-wise, I mean, you know, Burkhead, that, that year he had, 1,357 yards, he also carried the ball 284 times. That was one of the most anybody's ever carried the ball, except for Abdullah. Outside of that, I mean, like the highest next one is like Darren Diedrich had 233. I mean, so he had 51 more carries than Darren Diedrich. So I I don't know. I mean, take that for what it is, I guess. Amir Abdullah carried it 281 times in 2013. That's what I'm saying, outside of Abdullah. Yeah. But, okay. but that's, well, that was the whole thing. Like, Polini always stuck with that one running back, and he always kind of patted that one running back stats, I guess, as so, opposed to Solich, who liked to pad the quarterback stats, I guess. And Mike Riley liked to pad no stats. Um, well, yeah, but, get stats. Um, but I, I'm a little shocked you guys are so high on Darren Diedrich. I mean, the guy, the guy had a good career. I don't want to take anything away from him. He, obviously, he was in contention to my list. My biggest problem with Darren Diedrich is he wasn't very memorable, um, in, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, you, double D. You know, I, I don't. Well, I remember Buckhalter. I remember Alexander. I remember Crouch during the, that era being the better running back on that roster. But um, you know, Darren Diedrich obviously had success, and he's a good back for us. But I, I, I can't sit here and say I'm. I can remember ever a game of Darren Diedrich having 130 yards or any excellent play he's made. The guy did nothing at the next level. Well, in in 2001, he averaged 118 yards a game. And he was also uh, second team all big 12. And then in 2002, he was third team all big 12. Uh, He, he did it right. Keep in mind in 2001, when he averaged 118 yards, he was taken second, 
carries to uh, what Crouch was doing. I mean, there's there's no, only and, one, there's only one other player that averaged more 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 uh, yards per game than him, and that was Abdullah. Well, and again, I, I, Abdullah, you know, we're gonna probably brush over Abdullah because he's so uh, so obviously our number one. But I mean, the plays that the guy made. Um, McNeese State, the way he carried that game and won it. I mean, the guy had memorable play after memorable play. So as we move in this conversation, I think uh, we we all acknowledge that he is by far I, the best running back I've seen my, since Amon Green, and definitely in that class. Well, uh, uh, Amir, go ahead, Derek. Sorry. Uh, the, the other thing I think you have to bring up with Abdullah is, out of all these running backs, he is the only one that was ever – nationally brought up as a Heisman contender. I mean, the guy was that good that he was in the Heisman running. He was first team all big, uh, all big 10 in 2013. And, you know, looking at the way he played, you know, Tyler, you talked about that McNeese state game on that fourth down play. If there's one guy that you want to get the ball to Amir Abdullah was that guy. And once he got that ball and he, they fought for those yards to get that first down and he saved the game for us. And then against Miami was another game where he laid it all on the line to get that win for us in that first game against Miami. He was the guy that you wanted to put the ball in the hands. So, so definitely, definitely. But I, I want to get to my guy that I had on my list. You guys left off in Corey Ross. And, and I'm a little shocked that he did because Corey Ross is a guy that will probably never go down as an all-time great Nebraska because he played in 2004, 2005, and definitely not the best era for Nebraska football. Um, but 2005, he was second team all Big Ten. Um, I mean, he had Big 20 – Big 12, I'm sorry, Big 12. Uh, he, was, uh, he was the offensive MVP two years in a row during that time. He really was the guy who carried the team. And, and I know when Zach Taylor took over, a lot of times people gave him some hype. But, I mean, he was really the guy that made the offense go. Um, I, I just – I he was such a – he's a compact running back who played hard. Really good wide receiver. Arguably the, one of the best wide receivers out of the backfield we've had. Um, he has this t- the tied for the most catches ever in a game for a running back. I mean, uh, just a really, really – all-around awesome player. Derek? Well, if, if you're wanting to go into the receiving end of it, I think you have to go with Marlon Lucky there. That guy led the team with 75 receptions one year. <laughs> well, that's dump off, dump off all over but the place. Th- th- this is what kept Corey Ross off, off of my list. And this is just me personally. The guy did have a great year in 05. I mean, he had 1,100 yards, but he only had six touchdowns. And that kind of hurt him, I think. In my opinion, that hurts him. I Six touchdowns. Amir Abdullah did that in like three weeks. Well, we're not comparing him to Amir Abdullah. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, if you're gonna put him in your top, I mean, that that was his best year for 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 uh, touchdowns too. It was six touchdowns. That was his best year. Yeah. That's just not, that, to me. To me, at the end of the day, I mean, you have to score some touchdowns to, in order to be put into this conversation. I think. He does, but I mean, I mean, you look at some of the other guys we had on our list, and I think he had ended his career with more rushing yards than uh, Diedrich. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he he finished with over 2,700 rushing yards, which I think beats out Darren Diedrich. Uh, so he for body of work, and I got to go with him a little bit because he lives out here in Colorado, and if I run into him, 
and he does, and I don't put on my list, he might be a little bit bitter, and I think he could still kick my ass. Diedrich, well, Diedrich had twenty seven hundred yards as well, by the way. Twenty seven well, and Diedrich played one less year. Yeah. And Diedrich played one less year. No, Diedrich played four years. But he oh, wasn't really been. utilized till two thousand one, two thousand two. What, so what, so, what, what was his fourth year? I have I have stats for him in two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two. I must not. I must have missed ninety nine. Uh, okay, that's three hundred fourteen yards. Okay. So so, but so, and then you guys also went with Dan Alexander off of Buckhalter. What was the difference there? Because Buckhalter had a had a few more rushing yards than Alexander. I took Dan Alexander because he was first team All Big Twelve. That guy was a beast. And, you know, what I I would have had him in front of Darren Diedrich if it wasn't for all the uh, the fumble issues that he had. But that guy, I was so enamored with the way that he played football, the way he that he ran the daughter ball. after him. I did. And my I was going to name my daughter Danielle Alexandria. And my wife... Did not go for that, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Thank the good Lord for that. <laughs> but I, I, mean, I, th- I, th- I think that the biggest thing was the fact that Dane Alexander beat Corral Buckhalter out for the starting position. Yeah, I, I think that had to put him ahead of him. I mean, if, if the coaches, th- if the coaches then thought he was better. Yeah. Well, I mean, Buckhalter had more rushing yards. Buck Halter, if you if you're talking about the best player, obviously what Buck Halter did at the next level was way better than Dan Alexander. Dan Alexander and Buck Halter. True, but I don't think I don't think they, I guess to me the uh, outcome of this uh, uh, the objective of this what we're doing here is not what they did in the pros is what they did in Nebraska, I guess. I, I, I agree that the majority of this is their time in Nebraska. But when I think about the best, I mean you're talking about it's not like the, the resumes aren't similar at their time in Nebraska. I mean, they really, yes, Alexander may have been the starting back. Um, he, he was over, but Buckhalter, I mean, he, it wasn't like he was only getting a couple carries a game. Uh, I mean, the guy averaged over six yards a carry 27. He had 27 TDs his time in Nebraska. Um, I mean, he wasn't like he was just sitting on the bench behind Alexander his whole time. Yeah. No, but I mean, if, if we're going to put pros into it, I mean, we could start talking about Brandon Jackson being a pretty big factor, too. And I didn't have him in my anywhere near my top five for what he did in Nebraska. What but are you doing in the, the pro, NFL? In the you, pros, you, you, I would say he'd had a pretty, he had a pretty good pro career. He was barely a play in Green Bay. I, think he, I didn't even think he even rushed for a total of 1,000 yards in the NFL. Really, I thought he played more than that. I he, he, he was their I, default I starting right back. But a Super Bowl ring. He, he does have a Super Bowl ring. He does yeah, have. Play, that. <laughs> uh, I, I just, yeah. I mean, like I said, I think that both of those guys could go. But um, I mean, they're they're both really good running backs. Definitely at their time in Nebraska. So okay, here's a silly question. You know, your uh, love affair with uh, Carell Buckhalter and. What was a bigger one-two punch, Corral Buckhalter, Dan Alexander, or Roy Hellu and Rex Burkhead? Oh, I think Hellu and Burkhead, but I, I just like the compliment that Buckhalter and Alexander were. Yeah. I mean, they were so different. I mean, definitely Hellu was definitely a little bit quicker, but Burkhead was definitely not a thunder. I mean, he was athletic and quick, too. I mean, they were definitely a little bit more similar mold. They were yeah. big-bodied running backs. They were quick. That, that's the other thing about Dan Alexander that I was just so pr- surprised at. The guy was like 245, 250, 
just a monster. But his legs were only like about 20 inches long. You know, he was just, he was like all torso. And he had these tiny legs. And he could pull away from defensive backs. He could just outrun everybody somehow. I think think Buck Halter and and Alexander were just kind of that reminiscent of uh, Calvin Jones and Derek Brown, you know? The bruiser and the cruiser. Where... Were like Halu and Burkhead, they were kind of one and the same. I mean, maybe, I mean they weren't exactly the same, but they kind of had the same, more of the same style. They were more uh, finesse. They were going to juke you out of your shoes. They were, they were speedy, you know. Where Buckhalter was just a frig. I mean, he just ran straight into you. And Alexander, if he got past you, he was gone. So, so Derek, I, I, you were a little bit lower on Rex Burkhead, and I get the injury had his toll, but, I mean, if you were just going to look back at the career and say, not necessarily a lifetime achievement, but if you're going to say, man, I have to pick, you know, Burkhead over a couple of those guys, you would have him fourth. Because Burkhead that junior year was remarkable, and it's a shame his senior year didn't turn out the way, um, you know, we would have wanted, but, I mean, the guy had – such a good career. I mean, even when he was at back at the Halo, I mean, he kind of just got a bad timing in Nebraska history. He did. And look, I love Burkhead. I, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy. I'm just going more off of, and, and the injury kind of killed him for me. I mean, I, it's not you, that I, you if, know, if I, if I had a chance to get Burkhead back here to run the ball for us again, I would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I, I thought it was fascinating that Rex Burkett, you know, he was injured his, his senior year, but uh, through those games that he played, he still averaged 6.9 yards a carry. He had 685 yards. I mean, he, that's that's very remarkable. I mean. Oh, it is. It is. What, what could have happened, you know? But, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like Martinez in his senior year, you know? What, what could yeah. have been? What what could have been? But unfortunately, you can't play the what could have been game because you can't finish that game. Uh, you know, well, you know, if if you're going to go by yards per per carry, you know, as much as you've kind of downplayed Buckhalter, I mean, that guy his senior year averaged seven point one yards per carry. He's the only guy that averaged over seven yards a carry, and that's that's phenomenal. That's awesome. The guy had seven hundred fifty yards and and, and only a hundred carry and one hundred and six carries. That's why he made my top five. <laughs> All right, so, and, and he wasn't. He, trust me, Tyler. He wasn't far out of my top five. He he really wasn't. Matter of fact, I had talked talked to Justin a little bit before the podcast and talked about putting him in my top. And, and Justin kind of t- downplayed me and talked me out of it a little bit, but. So I blame, yeah, I mean, I blame him. It's all Justin's fault that I didn't agree with you, Tyler. Well, you, neither of you guys had Corey Ross. I, I mean, I, I just yeah, downplay him, downplay the pork chop. Look, at the end of the day, for me, uh, this is the way I saw it. Mir Abdullah, he's out of plateau all by himself, and then that second tier is Roy Hallow and Rex Burkhead, and then after that, it's a whole bunch of guys competing for that third tier. And, you know, you could – sure, I could probably have Corey Ross in there, maybe ahead of Darren Diedrich, maybe. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're all interchangeable at that point. Well, and, and I think you hit on something. I think if you look since Scott Frost left Lincoln, and it's before he returned, I don't think there has been a position group we have been better at besides running back. 
Um, you know, we, we, we skimmed over Brandon Jackson. Uh, Marlon Lucky wasn't the greatest. Uh, um, you know, I had Diedrich a little bit lower. Uh, Terrell Newby was definitely a little bit lower. But, I mean, all those guys that for a position group, we have been really solid at running back for the last 14 years, with the exception of maybe last year. Yeah. I, I think one thing that we're kind of overlooking, too, is the fact that, like, uh, if you want to go back and really look at it, look at what Buckhalter and Alexander and Diedrich did and the fact that, you know, they played for the national title. They played in the in the conference title game and, and, and won us a conference title. They were part of that. And they were big parts of that. Not just not just like they played in the games, but, I mean, they were big parts of that. And outside of that, nobody else could say they – I mean, I guess, you know, Burkhead and Halu could say they, they played in a conference title game, but they didn't win us jack shit at the end of the day. Well, I, I will say if I was going to put a negative on those guys, Derek, um, it's look at the offensive line they played behind. Because since 2003, our offensive line unit has not been the same. And you look at those late 90s, early 2000 offensive line units, that had a little bit to do with these running back success. One of the things I want to bring up before we move on to the next segment is uh, I watched a lot of film on all these old running backs here in preparation for this segment here. And I got to say, I absolutely hate the music selections that go along with some of these highlight films. <laughs> it is absolutely atrocious. I don't know why they can't put together some highlight films using the TV commentary. It, it makes it a lot more enjoyable. I mean, it, I had to mute some of this the crap that was on there. They have a button called mute for that reason. <sighs> I, I had wants, to use nobody it. Nobody wants to hear that crap. Nobody listens to the music. That's why they you put it in there. But... I I don't mute everything with just the hope of like maybe they'll throw in like an announcer, you know, like, you know, announcing the play on a long run or something, because I think that part is really cool. That adds to the entertainment factor of watching these highlights. So, yeah, God dang, I'm getting old. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think what makes it worse is when they put both in. When, when you're trying, because then you're trying to hear both of them here. It just makes it all that much worse. You guys want to talk about my lawn right now? <laughs> got these, I got a couple. Of I mean, you, you're that guy who mutes the TV and puts the radio on. Hey, no, I am not. That. I do. <laughs> I can't get the timing right. <laughs> that radio's too quick. <laughs> Anyway, all right, let's move out, uh, move on. NCAA Final Four was this weekend, and it sucked. It sucked bad. The the Final Four with the semifinal games and the finals. Tanner, what did you think? I mean, you said, well, I mean, it was almost unwatchable. I mean, the the Michigan uh, Loyal call uh, Chicago was an all right game. Uh, the Villanova Kansas was literally unwatchable, and that's the game that I tried to give it the most chance of watching. Uh, and the national championship just—it wasn't even competitive. Villanova, credit to them. I mean, what they have done—they've definitely become the powerhouse of college basketball over the last three years. Um, They—they they are the premier program, and they were easily the best team this year. It was 
not, there wasn't even a competition what they did beginning to end of those tournament. Derek? Well, just, just, I don't know. So I got an alert today from uh, CBS Sports, and apparently the way too early favorite to win next year is Duke. And I'm like, how? Really? They need to stop with this shit, because Villanova's got to be the favorite. Uh, no. You know what? You, 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 you marked on it. It sucked. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't watch the Final Four. I watched uh, Cubs baseball instead. Uh, the finals, I tried, I, I watched a little bit of the finals last night and I fell asleep at halftime. It was boring. It was boring basketball. Yeah. Well, enough about that. Uh, <laughs> this weekend, <laughs> the Masters is on. This is the uh, time of year where everybody wants to go play golf. This is the, the premier golf event all year long. And I am so excited. Tiger's back. Uh, got it. It's got the makings for a good one, Derek. What do you think? Well, I wish I could go golfing this weekend. Unfortunately, the high is supposed to be like thirty-eight. I don't think I'm going to try it. However, Tiger wins. Take Tiger that wins. to the bank. Tiger wins. <laughs> uh, you jinxed the shit out of him there, <laughs> Tyler. Uh, you know, Tiger Woods, y'all. I hope he's in contention on Sunday. I I don't think he's going to win. Uh, but I, I just hope he's in the hunt. But I will tell you that the Masters is among my favorite sporting events of the year. And, and I don't know why it's so much better than anything else, but it is. My biggest complaint on the Masters is the coverage. Good luck trying to watch anything before Saturday on Masters coverage because they show nothing um, ever. They show like four holes and they just show that. But um, Augusta National is like the course I want to visit the most just to walk around it, it. There's something about the flowers, the golf, the first big thing. I, I, it's just the most beautiful course yeah. out there. And I, you guys are laughing at the flowers, Mark, but the, the, <laughs> it just, it, it's spring. It's just, there. it's, it's the perfect golf course. And I, I'm looking forward to spending my Saturday and Sunday on the couch watching golf. And hopefully Tiger Woods is in contention on Sunday. Absolutely. It's, I will say this. The Masters is the one golf tournament I may tune into. What? That's the, probably the only one all year. I, I won't watch any of the rest of them. There. So I, I, I hate it. I hate watching Have you ever watched golf on TV? <laughs> don't say it. You can't <laughs> don't say, say that. it. Don't say it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to George Carlin. George <laughs> Carlin. He has uh, an analogy yeah. on, on <laughs> you flies. Can't, you can't, can't finish it. I can't finish. It's like picking out socks, as, as he says. <laughs> that was before Tiger Woods came along. Yeah. All right, guys. Fun show, but it's time for the last call segment. Last call to you, Tyler. Uh, I'm going to do my last call on a slightly somber note. Um, a big cheers. Drink your whiskey to a couple of fallen Husker alum, uh, David Hum and... Uh, Travis Hill both passed away over the last week. Um, you know, David Hum had a great career in Nebraska. He would play under Bo Pleat, uh, under uh, Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne. Um, definitely a great quarterback. One of the early passers in Nebraska history. Um, had a good NFL career, too. So cheers to you guys and rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest cheers. In peace. I, I don't have much to add to that. Uh 
sad. it's always sad to hear something like that, especially especially. Uh, I, I don't mean to diminish uh, David Hum, but especially Travis Hill. You know, I mean he's still a fairly young guy. Where yeah. David Hum, I mean David Hummel wasn't an exactly an old old guy, but Travis Hill was still relatively young, and, I, and it, it's always sad to hear anytime you hear some former Huskers pass away like that. So, uh, best wishes to their family and. Yeah. Absolutely. Derek, last call to you. Uh, my last call goes to uh, Canelo Alvarez. The, I want to call him a chicken for backing out of the uh, fight against Triple G, although apparently it's because he ate some cont- contaminated beef in Mexico, which made him piss hot for a drug that... And apparently this has happened a lot in Mexico. They... they feed the whatever whatever drug it was they feed this to their cows and apparently this has happened in soccer it's happened to several sports in mexico uh it, it just it just continues to diminish boxing to nothing and it bothers me because i love boxing and it's gotten so bad that we've had to have a ufc ucf guy come in and fight in boxing to try and bring up ratings and They've done everything they can to try and keep this sport alive, and it just seems to be dying faster than it can. They're faster than they can keep it alive. Yeah, poor Canelo Alvarez ate some bad meat. Put some bad meat in his mouth. <laughs> now he can't box. And and I'm glad he can't box because it was a split draw in the first fight. Uh, Gennady Golovkin, he won that first fight. It was not a split draw. So, g- good. Canelo Get out of here. Just just go home and go play. Go lay down. Go lay down. You're done. Tyler. I, I, I'm sad. I was really looking forward to that fight. Um, you know, there's still something special about a big boxing fight, and there isn't many of them out there. But the, 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 that is the worst excuse ever. I think I've heard, like, 18 baseball players say, like, I took some vitamins and I got contaminated. That's the American version of that. I ate some beef and got contaminated. They, they know what they're putting in their bodies. Absolutely. All right, last call to me. My last call is going to go out to the Minnesota Twins trying to create a little bit of fake controversy on Sunday. Uh, apparently, they were really upset that uh, Chance Siskel of the Baltimore Orioles uh, bunted in the ninth while the Orioles were down 7 to nothing in a one-hitter. Never mind the fact that the Twins had were in a shift to get the batter out. Okay, you can do a shift because that's that's okay, but bunting is poor sportsmanship for baseball in the ninth. That's there's an unwritten rule. And two guys, Brian Dozier and Jose Barrios, they cried and pouted to the media about it. Oh my god, I hate the twins now. I, I officially hate the twins. Tyler. Uh, I am actually with the Twins. The, the, one of the things that makes baseball kind of fun are these really ridiculous unwritten rules, and that is a pretty common one. You don't bunt in that situation. That's like bunting in the middle of a perfect game. You just don't do it. It, it makes baseball a little fun. All kudos to the Twins for standing up for that ridiculous cowardly move. Oh, God. Derek saved me. Oh, Tyler, you might be kicked off the show for that. Jesus, really? <laughs> you know, I, you guys know me. I am one of the biggest baseball fans in, in our family, at least. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of 
bigger baseball fans in the world than me. But in our family, I'm probably one of the biggest baseball fans. But I will be the first one to admit that baseball players are the biggest friggin' babies out there. To cry about this, I'm going to tell you right now, if I was a baseball player and you shifted on me like that, I would bunt every friggin' time. Matter of fact, I don't know how many times I've yelled for Rizzo to lay down a bunt every time up up the third baseline because they shift every time on him. Every time. It's a it's a free base. All you gotta do is lay it down. So I don't I don't you know why they do don't do that. this every time. And for a couple of players. So so what? We're down seven runs, we're just supposed to quit? Well then why don't we just stop the games in the seventh inning when we're down seven nothing? And just call it game because these players don't or apparently you're supposed to give up after the seventh inning. It's ridiculous Tyler, and these guys need to shut up. Tyler, you being one of these traditionalists for baseball because that's the way the game's been played for 140 years. You guys are the most annoying people <laughs> to comment about baseball. Every Leave other sport is adapting. I, I, I will say that the, the minute that the Cubs have a perfect game and someone lays down a butt – and ruins a perfect game. I don't want to hear you guys crying, but that involved the pitching of the Cubs actually Bunting is doing part something. Of the game. Bunting is part of the game. It, yeah, there's something, again, I get it. They are ridiculous. The unwritten rules of baseball are ridiculous. I get it. I comprehend it. But there's just something. If you throw at a batter, you get thrown at. You don't butt in the ninth when you're in that position. You just There's certain things you don't do. Then don't don't, just, don't shift. Don't There's yeah, that's the thing. If don't they shift. would have shifted, yeah, that was the thing. If you're shifting, anyway, guys, <laughs> we're going long here. Uh, we got to get out of here. Last call supposed to be short, but God, that's a great topic. That's we could go on forever on that. <laughs> well, all right. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out all the great stuff at HuskerHype.com. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And we'll see you next week. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.